In chapter 2, Peter spoke on a series of areas of submission. Areas where we need to yield to the authority that was placed in that particular area of life. Peter touched on, the first one was on the submission as a citizen. How we are to yield to the authorities of the government and other places that God had placed, of people in place, to bring order, to bring safety, to bring things that are in the form of chaos into the form of, of uh, some uh, decent and orderly manner, because that is who our God is. We also see that where there's a submission as a slave or employee to a master, or we would call an employer. And how that important that is as a Christian, not only do we represent Christ well in how we see and respond to civil authorities, but also to our employers. That as an employee that we are yielding to their authority of the position that they have given us to be able to provide for our families. And to do that with the right heart. But we also saw at the very end of chapter 2 the submission of Christ to the Heavenly Father. And that's where we pick back up here in chapter 3. Remember, there were no chapters, no verses, no divisions. It was one continuous letter. And as he continues in his letter, Peter now touches on two more areas in regards to submission. And the submission in the area of the role of the wife and the role of the husband. Today I will only take first six verses, the role of the wife. The conduct of the wife toward her husband in that role of motherhood or wifehood, if that is a, a term I could probably use today. Now, if you'll notice in chapter 3, there are six verses that are assigned to worth for the conduct of the wives, for believing wives. Men, you'll look and see that verse 7, there's only one verse for you. God knew that you and I could only handle one verse. <laughs> that will take an entire teaching next week on just verse 7, just so you know. So wise, make sure your husbands show up next week, as they say. So as we take a look at this, there's so much information out there today on sex, on relationships, on marriages. And within that marriage, there's just so much a plethora of books and videos and talking heads and even videoettes that you can watch and say, how are you going to solve my problem within my marriage or solve my problem within this family or solve this? You fill it out and you start just searching for anything and anyone who will tickle, tickle your ears to say, oh, that sounds right to me. But let me warn you as a pastor. God's word is the only thing that is right. You must know the word of God and apply the truths to all these relationships we've been talking about in regards to yielding to the authority within that. But again, we see there's so much on sex and marriage and, and all kinds of things out there, but why is there such still a, such a problem with marital problems and divorces? 
Yes, I looked up the latest statistics out there. We see, especially when you look at the latest statistics, it's about 40 to 50% of U.S. marriages result in divorce. And you can move the numbers however you want to. The alarming thing is that most people are not even getting married anymore. So you have to look at the statistics and see how many people who are hooking up. Or, or we have a partnership. And you have all these new words that you use to try to justify your relationships. But again, as a Christian, you and I have to look at things differently than the rest of the world. How does God see a relationship between man and woman? And you may be sitting there and thinking, oh, 40 to 50% in the U.S. marriages, they need God in their relationship. Ah, be very careful. Because we see in this, the Pew Research Center that many Christian marriages are falling apart from a Protestant individuals that are identified as Christian, non-Catholic. It includes about 74% of the classification of a Christian and had a divorce rate of approximately 51%. If you break that down and you look at the evangelical Protestants at a divorce rate was 33%. Why should that be? How can that be? You're believers. You would sit there and think the fact that a man and a woman are both saved, there's, there's this absolute guarantee. No, there's no guarantee in their marriage will succeed if you don't live it according to God's way. Most people don't know God's word. They're getting little snippets and, uh, and, and little sermonettes on these teachings on Sundays. But I'm telling you, you and I need the word of God, every word of it, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, the whole counsel of God. And then you can't say, trust me, do you think I woke up this morning and said this is the best topic I could hit on and make everyone feel, especially you ladies, really feel good and loved today? The average pastor would never be teaching these verses. You know that. But we're committed to the teaching of the whole counsel of God. And so when we take a look at this and we see the fact, the fact that marriage is something that we have to work at. We must succeed in by working at it and continuing to seek God after that and bringing our marriages to God. Because if we don't do that, success is not automatic just because you call yourself a Christian. And when one marriage partner is not a Christian, we'll see today that it's even more difficult to keep that marriage together. And that's what we see in the new church here. These early believers, as these women were coming to Christ and falling in love with Christ and the new freedoms that they had in Christ, they did not have these specific freedoms under the Roman government, under the Jewish government. They didn't have the freedoms that Jesus offers to women. And that caused some challenges for women. How do we now live within this marriage? My husband is not a, same, a, a believer. My husband's still Jewish. He, he, he's not a believer in Jesus. So how do I navigate this emotions and feelings and conflicts and issues in regards to living for Christ? And so the Spirit of God gave Peter the words for us today to learn and to grow. And so when Peter addresses this section of the letters to Christian wives... 
who had unsaved husbands, telling them how to win their mates to Christ, Peter then added some very important counsel, very important warnings, absolutely a rebuke even for the Christian husbands and how to love their wives. Now understand, no matter what your marital status may be, you need to learn from what Peter has for you and me today. These, these submission essentials are so important for you, even as a single person who would look to be married in the future, to have a happy, successful marriage. Know what God teaches about this relationship that he created. Remember that creation of that relation started at the very beginning between Adam and Eve. This is not something new and it's not something you and I can change. It is a foundational in God's establishment of society. So why does Peter devote more space to instruct the wives than the husbands? Because of the wives we're experiencing now as Christians, radical change in their whole life. And they needed, desperately needed guidance and how, how do I live now with this unbelieving husband? This heathen or a religious type man, but doesn't follow Jesus. How do, I, how do I live that life with him? What am I supposed to do now? And many wives had unsaved husbands. And they needed the encouragement. And they needed to have understanding. And they needed to do it to honor and to honor God in their marriage role. So let's read verses 1 through 6, and then we will take it apart verse by verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear. That word in the Greek fear is reverence, reverence of to God. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, and in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah, great example, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do, and are not afraid, with any terror. So we take a look at these verses here today, and we find that the word likewise, wise likewise, likewise what? That, that connecting word text takes you back to the previous topic of discussion, which was the submission of Christ to his Father. The submission of that consistency of coming across now and continuing in this role as wives, wives, Likewise, 
Just like Christ was submissive to his heavenly father, be submissive to your own husbands. Yielding, listening, yielding, doing. Even though, notice here the qualification, even though if some do not obey the word, even though your husband is not a believer, even though he says he's a believer, but he's not living as a believer, he's in another religion, he's in the Jewish religion, he's in this religion, that religion. But how do you live as a Christian woman now in this marriage? Does that give me a reason to, to be able to leave this man? No. Peter is saying, no, because... Through your conduct, ladies. Through your Christian conduct. How God is going to work through your life. I'm going to use you as a vessel to reach your lost husband. I'm going to use your conduct. I'm going to work through your life. And the love that's going to come from you is going to reach that lazy bum of yours. That knucklehead who just won't get over, get, can't get to it. Who's not willing to mature. I'm going to use that conduct. So no, don't be thinking now it's time for you to leave this non-believing husband and just live life for me and look for a now a Christian husband. No, no, no. That's not what you do. And not only are you going to live with this man, but you're going to yield to the authority that is given him as the husband of that, of that family, of that relationship. I know, ladies, it's not easy. God didn't say it was going to be easy. He's saying to them that I know what I'm doing here and as I lead you to me, I know that you can be used by me through your lives to reach your husbands. And notice here, as we look at what Peter's talking about, this proper submission in the home follows that same principles of the submission as towards the government, toward our employers, toward the action of Jesus to the Heavenly Father. It's that same yielding, that same understanding that they're in a position of authority, a position that you are going to listen and be partners with to do life called marriage. Just as Jesus was submissive and obedient to God's will, so a Christian husband and wife should also follow his example. You cannot follow Christ's example unless you first know him as your Savior and then be submissive to him as your Lord. So even as a Christian woman and a non-Christian man, that doesn't automatically think you're going to be able to win him if you're not living a surrendered life first to your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ, because that's who you serve. You always have to remember, God's always first in your life as an individual. He's always in authority. He's always important to understand that you live for him. You do all things to, for him. And we must spend time with him each day, meditating on his word and praying. And as a Christian couple, must seek to encourage each other in the faith. 
But you don't have that encouragement because he's a non-believer. God knows this. But he wants to use you through your conduct to reach your husband so that in one day, Lord willing, the two of you will be together and encouraging each other in the faith. Now it's interesting, twice in this paragraph, Peter reminded Christian wives that they were to be submissive to their husbands, verse 1 and verse 5. And the word submissive is translated as being under the authority to one headship or leadership. And God has placed for everything, he's very orderly, he's ordained that these various levels of authority and roles or responsibilities are done his way to have a good marriage. We're reminded in Ephesians chapter 5, if you go back and you and read that section, but I'll read it today from 22 to 24. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Notice that. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. You're, literally, you're really looking toward the Lord through your husband. For the husband is ahead of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ or submissive to Christ, so let the wise be to their own husbands in everything. Now I know this is completely against the culture today. This was completely against the culture in that day. So you can't say it was only applying then and not today. Remember, this is the Roman government that they were underneath. That was a wild time in the Roman government. You thought we, it was bad today in this society we live. It was far worse in the Roman government. And what was allowed and, and given. I mean, it is absolutely shocking. And here's these wives now coming to Christ and finding this freedom in Christ, this liberty in Christ. And now the question, how do I live in this with an unbelieving husband or even with a believing husband? But the focus Peter's talking about here is, giving instruction, encouragement to these wives. No, 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 you can't walk away from these marriages. You're, you're abound here with God here, and I'm going to work through your life to reach your husband, to help him to grow and understand who God is. Because God has ordained that the husband be the head of the home. You may not think it, and he may not be qualified for it. He may not be the farthest from the best husband that you can ever be. You don't submit to someone just because they're really perfect. I know he was perfect at the altar. I look at the two of them when they're looking at each other and saying their vows. Oh, they're just, they're just oh, they're, he's perfect. Isn't he perfect? Oh, she's just perfect. She's just perfect. And it, it's just such bliss in those little moments right there. If you could feel the vibe when you're leading them in the, in the marriage. We just had a marriage on, on Thursday. It was like, you, it, you can't even touch the energy. I was just, ooh, it's right there. That man was giddy as can be. It, it, Mark was shaking, woo, he was shaking. And she was so happy. I'm on the cloud, you know, this is perfect, you know. <laughs> but then reality hit. You married a sinner saved by grace, or you married a sinner that's not saved by grace. 
And God is sovereignly working in each person's life. And God has ordained marriage to be a way of refining you. You thought you were selfish when you were single. Wait till you get married. Then you realize how selfish you are. And then a couple with no children become very selfish. Very selfish. Everything revolves around what they want. And then God introduces you to these little sinners. (laughs) Created by your genes DNA. And they remind you of you. And it terrorizes you to, to no degree. And then you realize you're so, you're so selfish. Because now God uses children to break you of that selfishness. <laughs> That's funny. little side note. I don't want to take too much time. But it's really kind of fun to watch as a pastor. That first kid comes along. Who's the husband? <laughs> that, wife, that mother is all about that child. It's like... Wait, 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 what about me? I thought I was the one you loved so much and needed me around all the time and you were always talking to me. Why aren't you talking to me? It's always about the child. And then usually the second one comes around and the, the husband and wife are joined in forces because the enemy of two are coming against these highly intelligent people. It's like, husband and wife, how are we going to survive these two? I don't know. We're going to make it. You've been there. For some of us who've been there. It's a challenge. God is asking a woman to come alongside this this man that he's created for her and said, do you trust me? Do you really trust me? Yes, I trust you, Lord, for my forgiveness and eternal hope and everything. No, 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 no. We're past that. You're, you're a child of God. That's been settled. But do you trust me in this marriage? To be able to use you in a life of this non-believing husband now. Ladies, I'll challenge you because when you're able to trust God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, he has you exactly where he wants you to be in this relationship. That he can actually work through you to lead this non-believing husband to you. Now, I understand there are some circumstances that the scripture speaks to. We, have no, we do not have the time to go into that. And we can certainly can on one-on-one of why there be God would allow a divorce or a separation. But that's not the subject here today. The subject here is why would God bring this lady here to, this woman to bring her to a point and this word that seems to be so, almost like a... Like you say the word submission or subjection or, or you can use all kinds of words, the same meaning. How can I live under, listen and, and, and allow him to lead me in this life and to be partnered and to listen to talk. But he's ultimately going to be held responsible by God and I have to trust him. Have you ever met my husband? Have you ever met how he makes decisions? 
and how emotional he is, and he doesn't think things through, and he doesn't know how to, one plus one, and you want me to. Yes. Yes. God is going to use you and sustain you and strengthen you and encourage you to be an example to your husband. A godly example to your husband that will lead him to Christ. To lead him to want to grow up and to become spiritual growth to take place in his life. Yes, ladies, God uses women to help men mature to be leaders in the household. Into churches, in society, in work. God uses you. It's the most divine role in the most important ministry of your life. But it's not easy. You need the Holy Spirit to strengthen you to do this work. See, the call to submission authority is not merely a call to just love your husband and to care for his thing. Submission to authority is absolutely this equality of importance and dignity and honor. God, remember, Jesus was subject. He was submissive to his parents and to, the, to God the Father, but was never lower than them. That's where the twisted comes in. You always think when you hear the word submission or sub subject to someone, that somehow you're in a position where you're inferior somehow. And that's not true. The command to wives to be subject to their husbands should never be taken to imply inferior personhood or spirituality or lesser importance. Many women are more spiritual than their husbands because they're more sensitive to the Spirit of God. Because men have a problem with pride. They're not. <laughs> Test it. Go for a road trip. Honey, are we, are we doing well? Oh, yes, honey, we're, we're doing just fine on the road trip. We're doing good. Do you know where you are? Oh, oh I'm sure we're getting there sometime. I, I'm sure. Would you think we should probably make a phone call or call them and see exactly where they live and take and get Can we pull up the Google? And, no, 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 I got this. I got this. Ladies, what do you do in that situation? Do you sit there and become louder and more specific and directive on what you want your husbands to do? Do you automatically take a phone and start figuring out the pathway? Or do you choose first to just start praying and saying, God, give my, wife, my husband the wisdom and direction and allow him the space to humbly say, sweetheart, could you pull that up and look and see? I, I think that we're lost. Ladies, do you give your husband space to be humbled, to allow him to grow, to be secure enough to acknowledge that he needs help? Or do you just rush right in because I'm your helper? I'm supposed to help you. This is a divine thing. I'm going to make you. I'm really going to help you today. And you, and you couch it with a nice little Christian veneer. God says I'm your helper. 
We've all been down there. We're, Kathleen and I are coming up in 34 years of September. I'm not sure I still got it right. Especially the first 20 years. Whew, Lord have mercy on her. She's going to be greatly rewarded in heaven. You know that. Peter talks here three reasons why a Christian wife should submit to her husband, even if the husband, as in this case, is not saved. The first one was that God has commanded that she yields to the, the role of the husband as the head of the household, the leader of the household. It's not a, a subjective of you, you, you can decide this today to give him that headship, but tomorrow you don't get to, and, and this year, next year. No, no, it's a commandment of God. It's the godly wife is to be submissive to her husband. The submission isn't a reward because I'm going to be submissive to you today because you are really good and perfect and you did exactly what I wanted you to do today, hubby, so now I'll be submissive to you. No, that's not how it works, ladies. It's not because he's on a good behavior today that you're submissive to him and you're subject to his authority and only will listen to him. That's not the, that's, there's no qualifications here. There's no check boxes that you, have, you should be going through, ladies, in your head. Did he do this? Did he do this? Did he say this? Did he do that? Did he do that? You know, okay, he's in good standings. I think I'm going to treat him well this today. You know how it works, don't you? Silent treatment, the sulking, the moping. Now, some of you may, of course, none of you, only guys do this, but slam the doors, storm out the house, go cold. No, no, I'm sure it's only guys that do that, right? See, She's sitting there going, in this Christian world now, should I leave my husband? Should I change my behavior toward him? Now because I'm a Christian, because I follow Jesus, so I have a superior position over him. Now I get to rule over him because he's a heathen. And he's just living like the world. Man, that's just terrible. I can't be around this. And you go on and on. And Peter's saying to them, no, no, no. God commands you to be submissive and yield to the position of, of authority in the marriage that I've designed, that the, uh, the husband is ahead of the wife and that you will come together in partnership here, side by side. I took you from the side of the, of, of, of the husband, Adam and Eve, I, to walk side by side, to, to do this together, to be a light for me in this, this world. Because marriage is all about Jesus and the church, and it models Jesus and the church. And it brings the fact that it brings people together to say, look at that couple, look at the, how she, him and her work together in communication, and loving one another and listen oh he just she just so adores him because she's listening to him and is speaking speaking foolishly but she's not saying anything she's just listening and she's probably praying non-believers see these kinds of things and it draws them that marriage draws them to christ because you're, you're glorifying God in your relationship, giving him all the glory and the, and the credit for your relationship and your walk and how you're walking in regards to your conduct as a wife to your husband. God's designed marriage to draw people to Christ. Does your marriage reflect that? Well, today we see that Peter is saying to the wives, 
your conduct and how you submissive to your husband, even when he is making mistakes and he doesn't make, he makes a lot of mistakes. You're sitting there going, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, Lord. And he's going to ask for input, but he's still going to be ultimately responsible to you if he goes and goes down the wrong path. Now, the only change of that is Acts 4, verses 19 and 20. When an ungodly man, or a supposed godly man, ask you, wife, to do something goes against the word of God, you have absolute stop. Absolutely not. Not going to happen. You're supposed to be submissive to... Uh uh-uh. uh, I'm submissive through you to the Lord. I'm accountable to the Lord, and it will not happen. I will not do something you cannot ask me to do sin. Period. And by making that stance, you will be thumping him in the chest. And you're like, oh man, she has a fear or reverence of God, and she is willing to take and make a stance. Now, if it's not ungodly things that she, he's asking you to do. Honey, I think we should buy a brand new car and, and we're going to build a castle over here and we'll buy an island here and we'll go over and do this. And you sit there and ladies, let me tell you, you've heard me say this many times. Men create castles in their minds. They build, they conquer, they do these kinds. Let them dream. Just let them dream. Let them go. Let them just think through. Just keep praying. And all of a sudden, you'll be amazed. Those, if you just be, as, as we see Peter says, is, is be a quiet and gentle spirit. Don't thump them over the head. What are you thinking? Are you kidding me? We have no money. We can't even pay the electric bill this month. And you're talking about buying an island and creating castles and doing tra- we're traveling the world around and blah, blah, and new cars. Say nothing. Because when you say nothing, you know exactly what's going to happen, don't you? Don't you? Ladies, you already know what's going to happen. If you say nothing, guess what happens? It's only a matter of time in seconds Maybe minutes. Honey, what do you think? Does, well, Lena, honey, you go on silent. He's looking for some response. You just go silent. All of a sudden he goes, honey, what do you think? He's looking for what? He's looking for a partnership to talk this through. And that's when you lovingly say, well, honey, why, why don't you look at our bank account and see how much money is in that account? Does, does, would that please God? Would that, will that honor God if we go buy that car today? Will that please God? Will that honor God if we go look to buy a, 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 an island and you know that I can't swim? See, see, if you would just say a, take a gentle and loving approach with your husband and not emotionally react to it, you'll be amazed he'll come to his senses. He will. Now, I know there's some special causes and there's some men are of special causes. I understand that. But that's when you bring them to the elders of the church and the deacons will take them out back and we'll whip them right into shape. 
So, ladies, you have you you just get your get 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 your brothers to come around your husband if you can. I assure you, you get a brother who's not thinking rightly. Get him around a bunch of men. There are no holding back. Men will say, "Are you out of your mind, man? <laughs> You've been married less than a year. You're thinking what? <laughs> Let us teach you." See, Peter's sitting there. Yes, it's a commandment of God that you yield to your husband in his role as the leader of the home. And the second thing that Peter talked about here is he talked about being submissive to your own husbands. And it's not to all men in the general sense. See, male headship is God's command principle for the home and the church, not in society in general. So ladies, understand this. Just because you are around other men, you don't need to be submissive to other men. God's word is clear. You're submissive. You're yielding to your husband, your own husband. Not all husbands, not all men. So if another guy says to you, you need to do this for me, you look and say, well, I think that would be wise if you take that up with my husband, don't you? You don't, you play, he's at headship, is your husband not the headship? Place all the weight right on his shoulders that he wants when someone tries to tell you what to do. When someone calls you says, and tries to manipulate you and tries to get you to buy things and do this and stuff, you know the best freedom that Kathleen had when she realizes? She goes, oh, that's a good conversation with my husband. I'll let my husband address that for you. It's such freedom for her. She knows the exact answer. She knows the answer better than I do how much is probably in the account and what we can't afford or can't afford and do this and all the schedules and what we're going to do. Well, that's a good question. I'll ask my husband. I'll let him address that to see if we can fit that in the schedule. She knows exactly what the schedule is. Why? Because she manages our house really, really well. She keeps me in order. What would I do? In society, if I didn't have a wife, I guarantee you, none of you would have anything for Christmas, birthdays, or anything else. Or that you wouldn't even know I even existed if it wasn't for my wife. Why? Because God created her to love people around that's in our circle, around us. So she's the one that gets the cards. I don't even think about a card. I only think of God because my wife's trained me up. I know what to do with certain things. And it's like, how did you learn that? Because my wife is a good teacher. She teaches me well. I grew up with brothers. I had no idea what it meant to be married and be around a woman, a girl. My wife taught me that. And when we had daughters, I had to learn that they're gentle flowers. I'm on a sports my whole life. I beat up men. Uh, now I'm having to learn how to be a gentle flower with my two girls. That first pillow fight, she said, oh, no, no, no. You cannot hit a two-year-old like that with a pillow. <laughs> I mean, my, my girls survived because of my wife having to intercede. I mean, guys have to learn these things. And God is using you, wives, to teach us these things.
God uses you, ladies, and gives you what you call submission power. Did you know that? Ladies, you have submission power if you know it or not. That submission power has a spiritual influence in your home that you have no idea how powerful you are in a home. Many people think submission means you just be quiet, sit down, and just do whatever. And somehow you come across, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen in your house because you're with a non-believing husband or a husband who is a carnal husband who says he's a Christian, but he's really not a Christian because he hasn't been living for Christ. But he comes across in some way as an authoritative and just just brutal and mean and angry. And that can be real for some of you. That's a whole other subject we have to work with you on. But you have submission power. And that submission power, that spiritual influence, is something that you are not just sitting there saying, I just will give in to my husband every time. I'll give in to my husband all the time. That's not what it's saying here. What it's saying is that an unsaved husband will not be converted by your preaching and your nagging and pushing and your shoving and threatening your husband. That will not save him. That will not cause him to want to come and know Jesus because your conduct reflects an unchristian manner. It's by Christ's love working through that's going to bring him to Christ. Kindness leads to repentance, not nagging, not threatening, not a cold heart. That doesn't lead someone to change. Nor does this submission power, this spiritual influence, and taking it and using it in a subtle manipulative way to get him to do what you desire. Be very careful with all this power that God gives you in the role of a wife. It can be just as powerful to change a man. It can be just as powerful to destroy the man. One of the things that drives me crazy is in a home that was not a Christian home and the man has become a passive yes man that will not take any responsibility and to lead their homes. That's not how God designed man. And that's how much power you have, ladies. You can destroy a man to the point where he disengages from you. He may be there physically once in a while around you, but he's completely not there. And that we will talk about Yes, next week, Lord willing, in verse 7. But understand, the principles of submission is presented in many different ways in the New Testament. I'll just name just a few. Jesus submitted to his parents in Luke 2. Demons submitted to the disciples in Luke 10. Unseen spiritual beings submitted to Jesus. We will see that in verse 22 of chapter 3. The church should submit to Jesus, Ephesians 5, 24. Servants should submit to masters. We learned that last week in chapter 2, verse 18. We also see it in Titus 2, 9. But notice this, and when you study the scriptures, nowhere do you see those roles reversed. 
Nowhere do you see in the scripture where now the master, the employer, is submissive to the employee. Nowhere do you see where the, Jesus is now submissive to the church. Nowhere do you see that Jesus is submissive to uh, dark beings or demonic beings. There's a certain role, a certain order, and that is never going to change. So the question is, is who changes in the situation, ladies? Who changes men in the situation? You and I do. God's not going to change. Society's trying to change it all. Every aspect of God's divine appointments and order has changed. 2015, marriage changed. 2016, life changed. Planned Parenthood came about and it was okay to just massively murder babies. It goes on and on and on. And you think, why is society the way it is? Why is marriage the way they are? Why is the government the way? It's because we go against the word of God. It's not complicated. When you go against God, you lose. When you go against God, you have chaos, not order. Do you want to solve your marriage problems? Be obedient to the word of God. But notice here also in this verse is that even if some do not obey the word, if they're non-believers, they're not following the word, they're not listening to the word of God, they don't want anything to do with the word of God, you ladies without a word may be won by the conduct, they can be won by the conduct of their wives. Some wives, I smile, love to want to shape their husbands the way they want them to be. You have this something in your head that my husband has to be a certain way. Look a certain way. Do things a certain way. And you have to be very careful, ladies, because when you get in your minds that you are the Holy Spirit and that you can do whatever you want to do with your husband, and he's going to have to listen. If not, he's going to pay the consequences because if it's not a happy wife, then it's not a happy home. You know, kind of a thing. Again, that's not scriptural. It's reality in many times, but it's not scriptural. That you have to be very careful because wives will have this tendency through their words and their actions to lecture and nag and be contentious, butting heads and trying to have a way to grapple with the husband. And I'm telling you, ladies, when you get this mindset, maybe because you had a mother who did that or a grandmother who did that or friends who, where you were manipulating or grappling and, and contentious with you, be very, very, very careful because you're going against the order of God. You're not to be a contentious woman. You're not to be a nagging woman. You're not to be a lectured woman. Even if you think, I'm only lecturing with the word of God. You're not the Holy Spirit. 
Live your life as a Christian woman. It says, you don't, not say that you can't say a word, but just make sure if you are going to use a word, make sure you use the word in context correctly and do it in a way that it's not coming across like a lecture. That doesn't go well with men. And so when you look at that, he says here with your chaste conduct, it's a pure, faithful conduct and the fear or reverence of God. That is what's going to win your men. When you're sitting there and he sees this pure and faithful wife, he doesn't have to worry about her going out to find a Christian man now because he's a non-Christian man. That she's faithful to him even though he's not faithful. In regards to how he treats her and, and consistently do it because he hasn't gotten there yet. He's still growing. He's still maturing. He's, he's not going to leave you. You want to win your husband? He says, Peter says, a chaste conduct, a pure and faithful kind of fearful of uh, fearing of God, meaning he's reverence of God. He, you live for God. And ladies, let me tell you one more secret for you. If you would just take this and trust God with your relationship with your husband, regardless of where his state is of a maturity, if you would just understand how God works and has a sense where the, this wife was just letting God do a work in her husband and that she's going to contribute in her way, her part, and encouraging him and watching so he can watch your life. And when he starts going squirrely on you, he does, messes up and he doesn't do things right, and he's really stepped on your air hose, he's made you really not feel loved. And understand, just do me a favor. Just let him know that he stepped on your air hose and you can't breathe based on those words he just used. Those were not kind and loving words. You just say it because you speak truth with love, and then you just duck, ladies, because God's going to, you let God after him. Just duck. Let God work it. Because God knows how to change your husband to be a godly man. I'm telling you, ladies, you are such a perfect position to place all the weight and responsibility on your husband because that is what God's designed him to do. And then when he does something, you just step back and just a quiet, gentle spirit and said, well, I will let God deal with that with you. I'll let you take that up with God. And you duck. Because <laughs> God's going to come and get his attention. You have security in your relationship because of the fact that he, your man is going to be held responsible to God. And you have the freedom and the security in that. And that's a lot of weight for a man, but guess what? That's what God's called him to do, to step up, to do what is right and good according to the word of God. Just don't cause your helping, interceding Holy Spirit moment because the scripture is very clear. Your words could actually have a negative impact in his ability to grow and change. You might think you're being helpful with your words. You're actually tearing them down and not being helpful. So be very, very, very careful. 
Verses three through four here, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair and wearing gold and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So here's the third reason why, ladies, you're submissive to your husbands, even if he's a non-believer, is the fact that it's a beautiful, precious thing. It's an adornment to your Lord's. He says right there, very precious in the sight of God. You do this because you love God. You want to be able to do and please God in all the things and say and do. But he says here to the ladies, don't be like the Roman women. Don't be like the worldly women where you think you have to put a lot of makeup on and you have to do all this fancy and apparel and clothes and everything because that's the only way you can somehow entice your husband to keep moving in the direction you want him to move. That's not how it works as a godly woman. Not to say you can adorn yourself. Those things, some people, some religions have gone too far and said you, you cannot wear any jewelry or wear any, uh, you know, certain, only certain clothes in certain ways and stuff. Again, that's not what the scripture says here. He's just, Peter's saying you don't have to use that being a majority, how you to become a some Christian is because you look a certain way and you adorn yourself and merely outwardly. He's saying, ladies, it's all about your character. Don't let the outward be the one that's majority of your what you prioritize. No, no, no. It's your character is what's going to change your household, your marriage. Not how you look. Now, don't get me wrong. Vernon McGee, if you know Vernon McGee, I, we were, Kelly and I, when we first got saved, we listened to him, the good old Vernon McGee with a southern accent. He says, hey, if the barn needs painting, paint. You know, so ladies, if you feel like you need to put some paint on, put some paint on. It's not a bad thing. But when you start adorning yourself and putting a lot of paint on and all kinds of fancy because back in those days they had their hair so high and so elaborate with jewels and all kinds women wouldn't even sleep down they had to sleep sitting up because they didn't want to mess their hair your priorities have gotten off so Peter's saying wait 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 it's about the inner person it's about the character and when I tell men as God brings a woman into your life as a single man, you do not, yes, I know the outward appearance is the first that you see, but you must see past the outward and you must study the inner person. Get to know who she is before you make a commitment other than being, oh, she's a, she's a sister in the Lord. If you go, before you go beyond sister in the Lord, make sure you know her character. Because the outward can be deceiving. So he says here, focus on your inner person, your heart, and have something that's, the outward's going to be corrupted. You're going to go from the ideal a state of ideal of a 20-year-old, 25-year-old. She is in the state of ideal. But eventually she's going to a state of chaos. You do know that. The barn does wear out. The weathering does take place. You ever seen an old barn, a little saggy on top? It happens. 
But what Peter's saying, the inner, inner woman is incorruptible. The outward will show deterioration, but the inner woman actually blossoms and grows finer and finer and finer. Oh, I have, we have great examples in this, in this church of two people who have been married for many years and they're in a very mature state of their life, but their love for one another is like they're, they're just like brand new newlyweds and their love for each other. Why? Because they are focused on the inward and not the outward. Are you with me? That's what Peter's saying here. Just don't let that come across a gentle and quiet spirit. It's very precious in the sight of the Lord, and it's incorruptible. Actually, it's going to get that beauty is going to grow and be even more beautiful as they mature and grow. Just allow and trust God to do that. And finally, he gives examples here in verse 5 and 6. For in this manner, in a former time, so he's reminding these current ladies who just gave their life to Christ. Wait, 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 wait. This is something not new here. You might think it's new, but let me give you some examples. And he uses Sarah here that in former times, the holy women who trusted in God. Notice those key qualifications. Not just any former women, but holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So Peter reminds women that he did not call them to a new standard now as a Christian woman. This has always been, even in those who trusted God, like Sarah, years, years, years prior. That that something's not new and you have to practice something new. No, this has always been the standard. This has always been God's expectation. That you grow in character, the love for God, to trust in God. And that your role as a, as a wife is to be allowing to yield to the authority that God has commanded that man to be. Do you think that man asked to be in that position to take full responsibility for that marriage and the raising of children and be accountable to God and will be judged for how he is as a man in that marriage and as a father for those kids? Can, no man is asking for that level of responsibility. And if he does, he's not in his right mind because he has no idea what he's thinking. At a 20-year-old, you're all he's thinking about is next, when's the next meal? Or when is he going to get to work out? Or what do I get to play next? He's not thinking the fact that God is going to be standing in front of God and being accountable to what he has done with the precious gift of his wife that God gave him. He's not thinking about what he's going to be held responsible for the beautiful gifts of children that God gave him to raise him up. He has no clue what it means to be a man at that point. Unless he was raised in a godly family with a godly husband that taught him early on. But it still hadn't clicked in. Right here he says, women, Sarah is a perfect example. Was Abraham perfect? No. 
Remember, Abraham was a heathen living up in Ur. And then God revealed himself to him and said, pack you and your barbecue and, and your tribe and head down to the promised land. Sarah looked at him and said, we're moving? Nowhere in the scripture did Sarah say, we're absolutely not leaving. We're staying right here. This is where my family is. This is what everything is. We're not leaving anything. No, no. She went with her husband. They got to the promised land. What happened there? Not good. Things didn't go well. And so where did they go? They ran to Egypt. Honey, we're moving again. We've only been here for a short period of time. What do you mean we're moving again? We're going to Egypt. And she went. Get down to Egypt, and then he says to her, tell him you're my sister. He disowned her. Because he was fearful. What did she do? She went with it. We can debate that and talk about that a while. God then rescues them. God always comes in for the rescue, right? Brings them back up into the promised land. What happened again? He didn't learn the first time. The Pharaoh took his wife and almost messed, messed that up. He then says, oh, you're going to be my sister again. Whew, don't you think the guy would have learned the first time? Did Sarah say, I'm done with you, Abraham. I'm... That she didn't have that freedom, did she? He wasn't a perfect man. He made lots of messes, caused him to move as necessary. But notice this. She understood the role that he was in as the husband of that family. And God honored her and blessed her in that role and gave her the strength and ability to continue in that role as a wife so I, I only want to use that as encouragement because we have to understand by Sarah obeying Abraham she's just again obeying Abraham even if it was in was difficult even though when he was wrong <laughs> clearly she still honored Abraham in, in the role he played he actually she actually called him Lord can you imagine if you called your husband's Lord today no. But understand, it's impossible to obey someone without showing them the honor. But understand, obeying and honor go hand in hand in the word of submission. It's got to be with the right heart, at the right th- way, to be able to be a pleasing to God. So I want to encourage you today, ladies. You have an important role, a divine role, a role that God is with you. He's not against you. He's for you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to encourage you. And he is going to do a great work. He's faithful. Our God is faithful. I want to encourage you, ladies, have a quiet and gentle spirit. Choose to follow God regardless of what you're seeing happening in your life today. 
If there's a unique situation, I think that is why I'm here, is to help you show you what the scripture says about your unique situation that's outside of the norm, to help and guide you, to help you seek the Lord, to find out what he would want you to do next. Amen?